I have not called you to a life of failure or confusion, says the Spirit of Grace to the church today. I have not called you to a series of analytical processes or cosmic guessing games, says the Lord. I have made a plain way before thee, and if you will but step by step follow the plans that I have laid before the foundation of the world, you shall not fail. You cannot fail because I cannot fail. Lo, the time has come to abandon the sidetracks, the detours, and the wrong turns on the road of life. For the time is short. You do not have time to make the mistakes that you may have been able to correct in yesteryear. Lo, the time is so short that my people must walk closer than ever before with me, says the Spirit of God. Will you take the time to seek me with your whole heart? Will you take the time to find the next step that I have called you to, asks the Lord of the church today. For if you will, you shall not fail, you cannot fail, and you must not fail. For the harvest has come, and the time is short, says the Lord, says the Lord today. Amen, 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 amen. Well, in case you're wondering, that was not in my notes. I did not know I was going to say that. I did not know what I was going to say a word or two in advance, any more than just a word or two. That's called the spirit of prophecy. And when the spirit of prophecy comes on you or me and we yield to it, then the Lord is speaking. He's, inter he's interposing his will on ours. If we yield to him, he can do that, right? Right? So what he's saying is that the time is very short. It is, if we only knew how short it is. I heard Brother Copeland say, you think it's short, and it's shorter than you think. Right? <laughs> right? Right? This, what we're in right now is a life and death struggle that will soon be over. It, it, is, it is not about me getting my stuff. You know, and I'm a word of faith preacher. I'm a word of faith apologist. And I believe in getting your stuff. Amen? If you've been in this church for very long, you know that I preach and teach how to get your stuff. But it's not about you getting your stuff. It's about the master getting his stuff. And the thing is that if we'll see to his business, he can take care of yours real easy. Amen? But when we try to faith our stuff before we faith his stuff, hmm, we, we hit the dead ends. I don't know about you, but I've hit a bunch of dead ends and cul-de-sacs where I had to turn around, go back, and find my way again. And we just don't have time for that anymore. Amen. I'm not old, but I'm too old to make dumb mistakes. How about you? Amen. We just don't have time for it anymore. Amen. Now, the Lord is calling every single member of this church to the ministry. Hmm. To the ministry. Every, every day when you get up, you're in the ministry. That doesn't mean you have to preach. Like I said last week, preaching ain't all it's cracked up to be. It ain't always all that fun. Amen. I feel good today. I feel better today than I did last Sunday. Amen. But there's times when we serve God and God is going to ask you to set up a wire or set up a drape. Doesn't it look beautiful? 
right? Or set, set up the TV equipment or teach a Sunday school class or meet for a prayer meeting. No, no, anything but that, Pastor, right? right? My favorite show comes on and I can't meet for no prayer meeting, amen? Come on now. I, th- I said the time is short. There's going to be time for your stuff if you'll make time for his stuff. I have found that if I'll just put God first, I got more time to watch dumb programs now. Amen? <laughs> That's a, that could be a problem, right? <laughs> glory, 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 glory. But if I put my programs first, it's funny how uh, uh, it seems like you run out of time to do the things that are really important and serve the, the master. You'll be glad for every moment, every, every effort that you put into serving the master. You're going to be oh so glad. Amen? Amen? It's about souls. It's about raising up an army of street evangelists. And that's what we are doing in this church. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right, so today's subject is, anybody know? IB3. IB3. So if I say it in straight street language, right? IB3, like, right? I am a three-part being is how the erudite and scholarly may approach the subject, right? Which I'm not. So better stop trying to fake it. Amen. I am a three-part being. Say that with me, will you? I am a three-part being. Spirit and soul and body. Now I'm going to read some scripture here today. And then we'll let the Spirit of God lead us as we teach the Word of God. Okay? Will you, will you work with me today? Will you work with me today? Say, I have ears to hear. I have a heart that wants to understand. I receive the ministry that's being delivered today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 in the King James. And I'm going to move briskly here. Um, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Now, in this subject of spirit, soul, and body, I've really begun to wrestle with this term, the heart of man. And when I was up here speaking last Sunday, as I was speaking, God showed me what it was. It's our intentions. It's our intentions. Now, in the world, they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I do not believe that. I do not subscribe to that notion, not a bit. Because I, I know from firsthand experience as a pastor, you can have the right intentions and make a big mistake. Yes. And I forgive you and God forgives you. On the other hand, you can have evil intentions and look like you're doing everything right. Yeah. And God does not accept it. God does not accept our service. Listen to me carefully. God is not obligated to receive every offering. And neither am I. Now, I'm not sending anybody's offering back today, okay? Right? But I have in the past. I've had offerings that came into the ministry that had strings, that had intent, that had evil intentions. Control. And I'm not under any obligation to receive a a political donation from a control freak. Amen? Now, God does not accept all service in the kingdom, so to speak. Some people are serving for the wrong reasons. I believe that everybody in this house right now is serving for the right reasons. You're putting the kingdom first. Now, I'm going to be encouraging you in the coming days and weeks because we're, we're coming to, we're coming to a, a launch. Can you see that big Saturn V rocket? And the countdown is coming. All right. 
But I believe the people in this house are serving for the right reasons right now. So the heart of man is what God looks at. Now, in our hearts, we can have fully, in, fully intend to serve God. Or we can look like we're serving God and fully intend to serve our flesh. I say this, I've said this uh, uh, from time to time, that if you may take one step in the right direction, God will give you credit for the whole journey. Uh, and there's, there's scripture that backs that up, and I'm not going to take much time to go into that today, I don't believe. But the, the point is, is that you could live a life uh, of, uh, of sin for a lifetime. And at the last make Jesus Lord and serve God. And Jesus said you get the same pay for serving that, uh, that uh, somebody that may have uh, uh, been out there for quite a while. Amen? All right. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, and the King James says, For the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow, or marrow, depending on what part of the country you're from. And it is, the word of God is, a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We have intentions in our heart. Amen. Uh, I just believe that if you intend to do what God has called you to do, that you need to uh, uh, keep those intentions vibrant and strong because the flesh will pull on your intentions. The world will pull on your intentions. The devil can even begin to work on to erode your intentions. You could wake up one day and you no longer intend to do what God called you to do. Woo-wee, it's quiet in here. Everybody okay? All right, was the coffee good today? Huh? Is it too warm in here for anybody? Do I need to tell them to cut it back to about 63 degrees in here again? All right, that keeps people awake, you know. Amen. All right, I'm going to read this in another translation, okay? The NLT, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. Now, in philosophy and psychology... They cannot discern between the spirit and the soul. And most Christians, I don't mind saying, don't know the difference between the spirit and the soul. We're going we're gonna to use the word of God to cut them in, in two. I, I've even heard people that went to Bible college say, well, you know, the Greeks said that, uh, you know, there's a division between the different parts of man. You know, but the Romans, you know, they said that we're all just one unit or the Jews said this. And, you know, the Epicureans said that, and the, and the Watusis said this. What does the Word of God say? The Word of God says that you can divide with the Word of God the spirit and the soul. Between the joints and the, mar the marrow, and it, the Word of God, will expose my innermost thoughts and desires. You know, uh, I, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, it's been a couple of years, was working with a personal trainer. That, that could happen again. But I was working with a personal trainer. It was really an eye-opener because they helped me to expose the lies that I was telling to myself. Right? I can eat a big bowl of ice cream, butter pecan, glory to God, at bedtime every night, and I'll never gain a pound. That's a lie. Okay? <laughs> and right? and, and I'm, I'm in good shape, right? Even though I haven't been, you know, in the landscape business or, or, or hauling trash for 30 years, I'm still in, in the same shape I was in 1988, right, 
Thou art lying, thou hast deceived thyself. You know, there's no cure for self-delusion, right? Right? <laughs> Amen. And sometimes we have to uh, 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 let the word of God expose the lies that we've been telling to ourselves. Amen. And if there's intentions in our heart that were we once held dear, but they have been eroded by the world, the flesh, or the devil, come on now. There's only one cure, and that's discipline. Can you say amen? We have to discipline our heart to serve God. Can you say amen? God is not going to magically come in and change the intentions of my heart. Amen. Even any more than God makes you use your turn signal on your way to church today. That's you, something you've got to decide to do. Amen. All right. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to use another translation here, the NASB, same scripture. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You know, have you ever intended to go to church, but something happened and it just didn't work out that Sunday? Has that ever happened to anybody? Don't raise your hand. Amen. Just, amen. I heard about people like that. It's happened to me. Sure. Sure. Amen. One more translation. You want one more translation? I got the NIV here. Uh, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The attitudes of the heart. You know, God is searching our attitudes. Hmm? Just like a mother searches the, the child's attitudes. You know, you mamas, I've watched you a little bit. And you can pick up on a... On a, on a a toddler's attitude like that. You know, you can pick up when they got the wrong attitude, can't you? Have you noticed that you can correct that attitude pretty easily when they're about like yay big, right? Yeah. Amen. I mean, I raised two daughters, so I changed all the, the pronouns to her and she, right? Um, the Bible says, um, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The heart of a child. The intentions of a child. That child will fully intend to dominate you with emotionalism and bad behavior. Woo-wee. And what are you supposed to do? The, the, the verse says, But the rod of correction will drive it far from her. I found that to be true, like magic, if it's used judiciously. Let me stop here and say this. Never touch your children in anger. Never. Never touch your children in anger. If you're angry, and sometimes we get angry, Boy, it's quiet in this Presbyterian jail, ain't it? Uh, any Presbyterians? No? Sometimes we get angry. Never touch your children in anger. And I would, I would say, be very careful how you speak to your children in anger. Because there's another lie that the world uses. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie from hell. Because words can leave scars on children for generations. Amen. So if you're angry, you probably ought to go take a walk around the block. That's what I, that's what I do when I get really angry or I'll go to the, to the mountains, you know. Something, you know, I feel led to say this a little bit too. A lot of times us guys, I'm just talking to the guys now, okay? You, you girls can get on your phones or something, all right? But a lot of times us guys, we don't really know 
the difference between being hurt and being angry. Right? We think we're angry, but we're really hurt. I think that'll help some guys. Right? Because, because we think, well, okay, well, I'm hurt, but that's kind of a, that's kind of a childish or a, even a feminine emotion. No, it's not. The Bible says that God was hurt in his heart when he saw how man had turned, turned on him. That's right. God can feel feelings of hurt. God was hurt. He was wounded deep in his soul when man turned his back on the Creator. So guys, I think it'll take you down life's road and help you to mature some emotionally when we can begin to discern when we've been hurt. Right? And it would be very important, it might behoove us even, to act very deliberately when we're hurt. Don't act spontaneously when we're hurt or angry. Even though sometimes it feels really good because you have a rush of adrenaline, you have a rush of testosterone, and you feel like you could just lift a car and throw it through some in-law's front door. <laughs> boy, I better be careful now, boy. <laughs> Can I get out the back door here? My car ready to go back there, Gary? Okay. I'm just, that's what I felt many, many years ago. Amen. So we have to be very, very uh, cautious about how we behave ourselves when we're having these feelings. Can I have my diagram, please, the uh, soul on the teeter-totter, please? Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You like my diagrams? You want to, hear some, you want to see some diagrams? Okay, here we go. <laughs> that, that board there, you know what that board is? That's intentions. And we can intend to do good, but man, if you get on the wrong side of that ball, you can intend to do evil quickly if you allow yourself, right? Right? Our, our flesh or body over here on the right-hand side is appetites. You might even say the feelings that I'm describing about when, when a man feels anger and you feel that rush of adrenaline, you feel like your superhuman strength. The guys know what I'm talking about. Those are what I call appetites, instincts. That's the flesh. That's what the Bible calls being carnal. Amen? Everybody happy? Everybody love me? Yeah. All right? The soul contains three things, right? Mind, will, and emotions, right? The will is the chooser. Kelly Copeland was here. She talked to us a lot about the chooser. Your will. Your will, I don't care what they do to you. If they can't break your will, you'll never lose your temper. Huh? We lose our temper as an act of our will. That is in the soul realm. What do we do when we feel like losing our temper? When we're being tempted by the flesh to let that ball roll the wrong way, right? And through an act of our will, we allow our emotions in league with our flesh. When your emotions and your body get together, sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes good things can happen. We have to be wise about it, right? For instance, you know, when you're in love, you know, you're married, your emotions and your body are supposed to get together. You and your spouse, your emotions and your body are supposed to get together and something beautiful happens. Right? All right. On the other hand, if we'll make a decision, I wish I could turn that little 
college graduate around there, so he's facing the right way here. Right? If we in our soul will determine and choose, in spite of our emotions, or in spite of how we feel about it, to read our chapters, for instance. Right? Right? We tip that ball going the right way. And the Bible says that God looks on the heart. God is looking at our intentions. Are we daily dealing with our intentions? Are we daily submitting our intentions to the Lord? All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How about Colossians chapter 3, verse 1? I'm using the NIV today more than I have in 20 years. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts. Can you see it? No. Set your hearts or your intentions. I didn't give her enough time. I didn't give her enough time. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 in the NIV. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart, which means what? Is my intentions. Set your intentions. You could also say affections. Set your intentions on, uh, on things above where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. And then he says in verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things, uh, on earthly things. He says, because you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Creflo Dollar, I heard him say that the renewing of the mind is perhaps the most important thing that a Christian can ever do. Because when you get born again, we're talking about spirit, soul, and body, right? Can I go back to your original diagram of the spirit, soul, and body, the one that you guys did? Spirit, soul, and body, okay. The spirit man is the man that gets born again. The, the soul needs, the soul has the three things. What are they? Mind, will, and emotions. That part of you does not get born again. The body is not born again yet, right? My body did not get born again July 13, 1988. So, again, some of the old timers say stuff like this. I am saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. Do you know when the flesh gets saved? When you get a 12-pack of beer, right? That's when you feel saved, right? Yeah. When you get a... Right? When you get your thyroid all working right, right? No. When you get your resurrection. It's not saved until then. And, and you've got to keep some dogs on a shorter leash than you do others. Yes. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Amen? Pastor, want me to break that down for you in street language? Talk to you like you're my kids? What are you doing going to that bar? That's crazy. That's crazy. I know a guy. Okay. Well, Brian, you saying I can't go to bars? I don't know. I can't. Right? I wouldn't. I'd be foolish for me to go to the bar. And even more foolish for me to have, have some whiskey. Would I go to hell for going to the bar and having a sip of whiskey? No. But I might get shot dead because yeah. I said something stupid to the wrong person. Yeah. I know a guy. Personally. I haven't talked to him in years. He completely dropped off the map. He was sitting on the front row, was reading his Bible at break time at work, talking to everybody he knows about Jesus. And he went to the bar one night. Okay? 
had a few cold ones. You know, by the way, when I get to heaven, whatever they got, I'm going to drink all y'all under the table. Amen. <laughs> whatever they got up there. Amen. I mean, I'm going to be hanging on you singing. Right? But when we all get to heaven, let the day of rejection never be. <laughs> but until then, I'm going to keep my wits about me. Because this is a life and death struggle we are in. And I cannot afford to expose myself to the plots of the enemy. So this old boy went in this bar. Had a few cold ones. I guess he left his Bible in the car or something. I wonder if he'd have brought it in if things would have been different, right? He goes in there and has a few cold ones. The next thing you know, he gets in a knock-down, drag-out fist fight with a family member. Never went back to church. The condemnation was so strong on him, the devil laid a trap for him and he stuck his foot in it. Never went, hasn't been to church far as I know. 15 years or more. Never went back. I haven't even seen the guy since I don't know when. I know, I guess he's still alive or you'd heard something about it. But I mean, he completely dropped off the map. Well, Brian, are you saying I can't have a cold beer? No, you know, if I could have one cold beer... I would probably today, right after church. I'm just not very good at it. If I had one, guess what? I'd probably get arrested within about 24 hours. Amen? Like I say, you've got to keep some dogs on a shorter leash than you do others. Maybe you can have a cold beer and not fall off the edge of the map. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's your business. But this ain't saved yet. Don't kid yourself. Don't go playing around the edge of sin that used to trap you thinking, well, I'm saved now. I got a Bible now. I, can, I got this. That is the, the Bible says the lust of the flesh, the pressure of the flesh is deceitful. You know my other diagram with the ball and the guy? He's thinking, yeah, I got this. I got this. One little thing on the wrong side and he's going to lose it, isn't he? Yep. Right? This is being saved. Your soul is being saved. It's not saved yet either. It needs to be educated. It needs to be renewed. We need to be taught kingdom principles and how to walk in them. Amen. Because your chooser's in there. If your soul's not educated, you'll make the wrong chooser choice. Amen. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Can you see that? Can you see that? We have to. Um, um, you don't arrive. You don't finish the renewing of your mind just because you read through the Bible once. Just because you've been to foundations class. I'm not done renewing my mind. Hey, if I let myself go, you know what I mean, let myself go? If I let myself go and do what my flesh wants to do, my Christianity won't be worth much and it won't be long. Won't be long. We have to, you know, learn to discipline ourselves. Amen? That requires a daily process of renewing the mind. And it's, it, you can incrementally lose ground. Because the, 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 the flesh and the soul want to find the easy way out. Listen, I enjoy sitting on the couch day after day watching, changing channels just as much as some other people do. But what happens when we do that and we yield to the flesh like that, our chooser becomes broken and this, the whole system starts to lean in the wrong direction. In the wrong direction. Can you say amen? Yeah. You see what the pastor's trying to show you here today. Amen? All right. Uh, so I'm in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Are you with me? Now the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it will discern the difference between soul and spirit, right? Only the Word of God can do this. The psychologist cannot do this. I know some psychologists quite well. 
<laughs> okay, let's stay off of that. All right. First <laughs> John 3, 9. Whosoever, or is there any whosoever's here? Whosoever is born of God. Now, if, we, if you look at our diagram again, what part of you is born again when you come to Jesus? Your body's not born again. Your mind is not born again. The real you, the spirit man is born again. This is one of the most powerful scriptures in the whole Bible. This will change the way that you look at life if you, we, when you get this revelation. Whosoever, he's talking to who? The spirit man. The spirit man. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Really, Jesus? Now, in most of us in the religious circles we're raised in, they say, oh, we're all just sinners, right? You're a sinner. People sitting in the front row of church, sinner, 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 sinner. That's the message you get at, at, at a lot of churches, right? Yeah. Even though you have the right intentions and God looks where? Your On your heart. I mean, you're doing everything you know. Coming, you're doing everything you know, right? And sometimes religion will still call you a sinner. Well, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. If in my nature, I am by nature a sinner, and that's why you have to watch some of these translations. I think it's the NLT. I mean, it's a great translation, but remember, a lot of these are more paraphrased than translation. It says in Romans chapter 7, and I intend to get to that today, it's, it calls your flesh your sinful nature. Leading the Christian to believe that you're still by nature a sinner. If the Christian by nature is still a sinner, you'll never get into heaven. That's right. I mean, if the blood of Jesus wasn't enough for you, forget it. So if the blood of Jesus, if you've taken the blood of Jesus, right? Say, I've taken the blood of Jesus. I'm born again. I'm born again. Then the Bible says you're righteous. You have the very righteousness of God imputed to you. And I had a preacher one time say, yeah, but it's just imputed to you. I went home and looked that up. It means they put it in your account. Dude, if I put $1,000 in your bank account tomorrow, whose money is that? I done imputed it to you. Whose is it? It's yours. Amen. He put righteousness in your account. Use it. Amen. <laughs> Spend it. He'll, he'll fill it up again tomorrow. Spend the whole thing. It'll be full tomorrow morning when you wake up. Say, I am, I am. the righteousness, righteousness of God, God. in Christ. St stand up. and Stand up. She wants to say it too. Stand up and say it like you mean it. Say, I am, I am. the righteousness of God, God. In, Christ. in Christ. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm renewing my mind. I'm disciplining my flesh. Jesus is, Jesus is Lord. You may be seated. Amen. You're already in the kingdom. Yes. Brother Copeland said you're already in heaven. Yep. Ephesians 2.6. You're seated with him. It not going to be. Nope. Not going to be someday. You're right now, present tense, seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Whosoever is born of God, my scripture here, does not commit sin. Now, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to have time to get to all this today. Romans chapter 7 is probably one of the most misunderstood chapters in the Bible. And it depends on what translation you look at. But it looks like, you know, the guy is saying, well, I want to do this, but I can't do it. And everything I try to do, I can't do. 
I'm just a sinner, 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 sinner. But thank you, Jesus. That's not an answer. If you show up with an answer like that on Monday morning, you know, tell your boss, well, I tried to get here, but I couldn't do it. And every time I try, I just can't do it. I mean, I fully intended to do it, but I just couldn't get it done. But thank you, Jesus. They're going to kick you to the curb, amen. That's not what it's saying. If you read the chapter in context, he says, I'm speaking to those that know the law. And by extension, logically, he's talking to people that are relying on the law for their righteousness, which is, are you listening to me? Which is what the book of Romans is all about. The two kinds of righteousness. That which I earn and that which has been given to me and I receive by faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. This is good teaching. This is good preaching today. Amen. This is good enough for the believers convention right here. Amen. Amen. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Say, I'm born of God. I don't have to sin. I'm free from sin. That's what baptism is, friend. Romans chapter 6, it says, reckon yourself to be dead to sin just like Jesus. Reckon is an accounting term. Say, I reckon so. <laughs> I don't have to sin. Romans 6.14 says, you don't have to sin. It says, sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law but under grace. Say, I choose grace. I'm not choosing the law. I'm not choosing a perfect lifestyle to justify my salvation. Let me say it slower. I'm not choosing the pathway of perfection for my salvation. I'm choosing the pathway of grace and faith for my perfection. Amen, amen, amen. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin for his seed. What is the seed he's talking about? The Bible, Peter wrote to the church and said, you're born again by an incorruptible seed. Anybody know? It's not water baptism. The sower sows the word. The word of God, if you get it in your heart, friend, it's going to produce. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for the seed of God's word remains in you. Say, the seed, seed. of God's word remains in me. Now look at the next verse. You got, you, know, you got enough unmitigated gall to believe what the Bible says? It says if you got the seed of God's word in you, you cannot sin. Now I've gone to church for all my life. That's a long time, friend. I've never heard anybody preach this. I don't know. I, I, just guess, I guess they either don't know it's in there or they don't got what it takes to preach it. But there it is. What are we going to do with it? It says the seed of God's word remains in you and you can't Sin. There, I said it. Am I on camera? Am I being recorded around the world? The seed of God is in you when you make Jesus Lord. And from that moment, the real you cannot sin. Amen. That's right. <laughs> Amen. You could rob a gas station, but you wouldn't sin. You could commit adultery, but you wouldn't sin. I know Christians that have done some really lousy stuff, made mistakes, gone to jail for it. Those are not spiritual sins. Those are sins of the flesh. There's no sin of the flesh. I'm going to say this boldly. I've studied this my whole life. 
There's no sin of the flesh that can disqualify a child of the living God from entering the kingdom. Zero. None. Boy, it's quiet in here. Well, yeah, Brian, but don't you, what about all these people that sin? Like you? You know, the Bible says, you know, you disobey the word of God. That's a sin, right? James wrote to the church and said, you, you keep the whole law and offend in one point, you're guilty of the whole thing. There's 613 commandments and ordinances in the law of Moses. Anybody keeping those? Anybody burn a sheep this, this year already in your yard? Huh? You better be trusting in grace unless you're burning sheep, right? And slaughtering bulls and goats, right? <clears throat> the real you, when you come to Christ, cannot sin. I'll make one little proviso. But if you ever did, that would be it. I don't know anybody dumb enough that came to Christ, got born again, grew up in Christ, became a mature Christian, served God their whole life, and at the end of their life, just before they go to heaven, say something stupid like, I don't believe the whole Bible, the whole thing's a lie. There ain't no Jesus. The blood of Jesus is no good. The word of God's no good. That's treason. Now, a little child cannot commit treason. Now, most of us, in case you're wondering, is a bunch of little kids. Amen. Brother Keith says, wherever you think you are, you know, from infant, to, you know, to toddler, to grade school, to junior high, to teenager, right? Young adult, middle-aged adult, and aged, right? Gray-haired, gray-bearded, all of that. Wherever we think we are, he says, take a couple of steps back. That's probably where you really are. The Bible talks to us in 1 John and says, my little children. I don't know anybody that's capable of committing the unpardonable sin. You'd have to work awful hard at it. You, you and I are capable of sins of the flesh. If I lose my temper and say something stupid, I've done it. Since, I've, since July 13, 1988, are you kidding me? Of course I've done it. Almost did it on the way to church. No, just kidding. I did on the way to church one time, going to teach Sunday school. This was many years ago. Thank God. I'm doing a little bit better. A little bit. Guy pulls out in front of me. Hacked me off. I invited him to the side of the road for fisticuffs. <laughs> on the way to teach Sunday school. That's a sin, in case you're wondering. I allowed my soul, my emotions, my will to get the better of me. And, the, and the, the guy slipped off the thing, right? The ball started rolling the wrong way and thunk, bumped my head real good. I pulled over to the side of the road. I said, just go ahead. I, I'm just fine. And I pulled over on the next exit, I think it was, and I said, Lord, I'm a sinner. He says, well, get up. You're all going to be late. You've got to teach Sunday school. <laughs> God don't fall off the throne when you sin. The blood of Jesus has already forgiven you past, present, and future. I mean, think about it. When he died on the cross, when he was raised from the dead, when he entered into the holy place for me, that was 2,000 years ago. That's before I was ever dreamed of, before I was a twinkle in my daddy's eye. 
I had not sinned yet, and the Bible says that I was already forgiven. When you sin, God does not have to send Jesus to die for you again. Aren't you glad? Yes. He offered one sacrifice forever. One forever. All-inclusive sacrifice. And all you have to do is, is appropriate the benefits of that blood covenant, which stands sure to any whosoever that can come into the holy place and say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. That's all you got to do, man. And then what do you do after that? Forget it. Yeah. You know, try to learn from it. But you're probably going to do it again. Woo-wee. Anybody ever lose their temper? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Just point at your buddy. Point at your faith buddy. <laughs> If you've ever lost your temper, you've probably done it twice. Thrice. Twice. <laughs> no? Come on. If you've ever got drunk and made a fool of yourself, you probably did it a couple of times. If you've ever robbed a bank, you've probably done it, you've probably either done it twice or thinking about doing it twice. And thinking about it is his biggest sin, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, if you look on a woman to commit adultery with her, that's adultery. Didn't he say it? Well, what does that mean? That means if you had the chance, your intentions, if you had the chance, you'd do it. And only God knows. I don't know. But you're guilty of adultery if you would do it if you had the chance. If your intentions are leaning that way, I've heard people say stuff like this. Well, this old boy, he fell into sin. There was a woman there, and it just happened, and he had no choice. Bullcorn. He was meditating about it. Ask me how I know. I've read books. I know what's going on. <laughs> Come on. That don't just happen. Don't tell me the, the brother ain't sitting there thinking about it all, to, all the time. Come on, I know a brother. Come on, I know what's up. We meditate on sin. Then we, the, the Satan uh, presents the opportunity because he heard you say something you're meditating about. Yeah. He listens carefully. You meditate for something long enough, it's going to come out your mouth. Yeah. And then the devil says, oh, that's the way we're going to, okay. And he develops a strategy to trap you in that. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin because his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Aren't you glad? Yeah. We commit sins of the flesh. Repent. We commit soulish sins. What's your soul? Three things. Mind, will, and, Mind, will, and emotions. Right? We let our emotions get the best of us. Right? How about, come on now. How about envy, jealousy, worry? Hypocrisy, blaming, comparing ourselves with somebody else and having that feeling like, you know what that comes from? That, that comes from an, an attitude of ingratitude. If I'm ungrateful for what God has given me, I'm going to see what somebody else has and I'm going to feel like I ain't getting enough. That's covetousness or covetousness. That's, that's number 10 commandment. Wasn't, that's one of the big 10, wasn't it, Gary? Thou shalt not covet. That means don't be thinking about something that somebody else has wishing you had it. That's not yours. Won't you let God give you 8 or 10 of them? Or 9 or 12 or whatever so you can give them away all the time. Well, I wish I had a car. Stop wishing for cars. They don't come that way. This ain't, you know, 
What was that movie? Alice in Wonderland. What was the one where she clicks her heels? She goes home to Kansas. Was it, yeah, this ain't that. That's not how you get cars. Make a vision board. Amen. You'll get a car. All right. But stop coveting your neighbor's car or house or retirement or job or physique. You got to learn to love yourself where you are. Well, I'm not perfect. Nobody is. Nobody is. Nobody's perfect. And, and nobody has a perfect physique. Don't jive yourself looking at these models and stuff and thinking, oh, I wish I was like them. I'm glad you're not. I'm glad I'm not. I got to learn to love myself right where I am, even though I know I'm not perfect. Amen? Boy, it's good preaching today. Amen? John 3, 1. Can you, can you give me three more hours today? I could use it. <clears throat> John 3, 1. Behold. Um, I need the gospel of John. Well, that was a good scripture. <laughs> you want to preach on that one, Whitney? <laughs> there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. All right. Beloved. Whoops. Then we're back at 1 John. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. Oh, wow. What was your first clue? <laughs> For no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Yeah. Say this with me. Say, you must be born again. What part of you has to get born again? The Spirit. How does that happen? The seed, remember? Yes, except Jesus, yes. It's the seed of God's Word, just like Mary. She accepted the seed of God's Word, and a holy thing was conceived in her. That's exactly the way it's going to be with us. Amen. Amen. Uh, Nicodemus said to him, Can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, I need you to help me. There we go. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I send to you, except a man be born of water, say water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, most churches believe that when he says water, they're talking about baptism. So they say, you've got to get baptized or you can't enter the kingdom. What about the thief on the cross? He entered the kingdom. Jesus said, verily, verily. The same verily, verily, didn't he? I'm telling you, boy, you're going to be with me in paradise today. If you get water baptized, hurry. You're about to croak, bro. Somebody get some water, hurry. Sprinkle this guy. It's not it. It's not the water he's talking about. He's talking about amniotic fluid. He's saying you've got to get born twice. Born again. Except a man be born of water, one, and two, of the Spirit, he's never going to see the kingdom of God. A man must be born again. And when we're talking about man, we're talking about men and women, boys and girls, right? Can I just use the Bible term man without offending the National Organization of Women? Probably not. So get offended. Who cares? I'm still going to keep preaching. Yeah. I'll preach in prison. I don't care. I've done it before. 
You're never going to see the kingdom of God unless two things happen. First of all, you have to qualify as a human being, right, to be in that amniotic fluid, whether you ever escape it or not. I mean, only God knows, right? Some souls never escape the amniotic fluid because they're aborted, but they're still a child of God. And the day is going to come where they're going to get born again. I don't know how that all works, but trust me, it will. Every single child that's ever been lost will be born again and enter the kingdom of God with us. Amen. Every single one. Right. Every single one. I said every single one in the name of Jesus. Their DNA was on the shelf in the catalog in God's heart and mind before the foundation of the world. He fully intended to bring them into the earth and he's not going to get cheated. That's right. So he says a man must be born again of water and the spirit. You know how we say, you know, they say out there in the world, blood is thicker than water. We got it backwards, man. What does that really mean? That saying goes way back. It means the blood of a covenant is thicker than the amniotic fluid. What does that mean? That means I have a closer relationship with the people in this room because of the blood of Jesus than I do with anybody named Lee or Unruh who share amniotic fluid with me because I had a choice to enter the kingdom of God through the blood of Jesus and that's where my loyalty lies if my family if the Lees and the Unruhs never speak to me again I got you that's enough for me that's enough you're enough for me more than enough that's what Jesus said. He said, when you come to me, you got to make a decision. You're going to hate mama, daddy, sister, brother, even your own life, your own house, land, inheritance, education, status. He said, but if you do that, if you make that choice that I'm number one, me and my kingdom, my family, my house, my name is number one. You make that choice. He said, you will receive when? Anybody? Mark 10, 29. When? Now. In this time. Mamas and daddies and sisters and brothers and lands and houses. Now when? In this time. Now. In this time. Did he say it? Yes. What are you choosing? Choose the, say, I choose the kingdom first. Say kingdom first. It's kingdom first for me. I put my will, my hopes, my dreams on the back burner. Let's move Jesus stuff to the front burner. Huh? Let's cook up whatever he's got. Let's spice it up real good. Let's prepare it. Let's get it going, man. Let's dish it out. And he's going to take care of your stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, but how's it going to happen? Stop that. Yeah. Stop it with the winds of Hausa, Hoosa. Stop it. Do you trust him? Yeah. I mean, if he can handle your spirit and soul and body, I think he can handle your rent and your retirement and your stuff. Amen. Amen. Boy, I want to preach all day. Thank you, Lord. I think I'm going to let you go here. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We'll probably just pick it up right here next time, okay? Amen, amen, amen. Is there anybody with me here today? You'd say, you know what, Pastor? I just got to make kingdom first. I just got to make kingdom first. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. Isn't that the verse we read in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 3? He says, set your affections. Set your mind. 
Set your intentions on things above. Lord, I want to serve you. Everybody stand up with me, please. That's the key, friend. That's the key. That's the key. Intentions. Mind. Affections. Mind, will, and emotions, right? Say that with me. Let's all pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I set my mind, my heart, my soul, my will on you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Would you like to show that other diagram I gave you just so they can see that today? This is some of the finest artwork that, uh, okay. <laughs> Need I explain this much? But see, if you're spirit man, you may not think much of your spiritual life. You may think, well, I'm just a little baby. My flesh keeps overpowering me. Renew your mind. This is, this is called the mechanical advantage. This is science. This is science. Yeah. <laughs> Real science. If you put more emphasis on the spirit, the fulcrum is positioned properly to control your flesh. If you put all the emphasis, if you trade these two, put this big ugly one over here. This guy's never even getting up. He's going to be stuck up there, isn't he? Right? Put the emphasis on your spiritual life. Just walk through the day and say, Lord, I love you. I worship you. You don't have to be. You don't have to use flowery language. Just tell him, Lord, I love you. I worship you. I want to walk with you. Thank you for letting me live. Thank you for giving me a family, Lord. In the name of Jesus, God, thank you, Lord. You know, the more you do that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to wake up one day and you're going to say, I want to serve you. I want to serve you, Lord. I want to serve you. I want to serve you in the short time that I have left. Show me what you want me to do. Show me how to do it, Lord. Uh, Andrew Womack says that it's, it's, it's sad, but something like 80 or 90% of the Christians that he encounters, and he meets thousands of Christians, most of them don't really know what God wants them to do with their life. Pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, show me today what I'm supposed to do with my life. The meaning of my life. The purpose of my life. I give you my life. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Show me, Lord. Show me. Show me. Now, friend, if, he's, if you're a member of this church, I could just tell you, as the, as the elder of this assembly, God's going to show you something really simple to do Right around in here. Amen. That's the first step. Is anybody serving God and enjoying it? When I come in here and I, I see you guys busy about kingdom business. And it's beautiful. There's something beautiful that's happening here. I can just tell you, when God asks you to serve him, it's never to take anything away from you. But it's to give you something that you haven't seen yet. And you're not going to see it. Listen to me, please. I'm almost done. You're not going to see it until you yield to the Spirit of God and say, I'll do whatever you're telling me to do. Trust me, it's not going to take him six weeks to form a syllable. If you really, if your intentions, remember, 
If your intentions are pure and say, Lord, with all of my heart, with all of my heart, Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. You're going to hear from God by sundown. And he's going to show you something simple. He's not going to tell you more than likely, more than likely, he's not going to tell you to start an orphanage in Nigeria. More than likely, he's going to ask you, will you help this person do this or help with that or do this or teach that or help with this? And it's going to, the word help is going to probably be in there. Right? Can you say amen? My music team, that's the helps ministry. The setup team, that's the helps ministry. I've taught this verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 or something like that. I'm not going to look it up. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, they're in the same verse with the helps ministry. It's the same anointing. They, they slaughtered uh, uh, Philip, not Philip, Stephen. He was waiting tables. Is that right? He was waiting tables in the kingdom, and he was so powerful that the religious establishment had him murdered. So don't belittle what the Spirit of God is telling you if he asks you to do something that may seem so menial, so insignificant. It's serving the king. And whatever service you render unto the king, I assure you as the pastor of this church, do you trust me? Do you trust me? I assure you that your service will not go unnoticed. He keeps really good records. Really good records. I'm done. God bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Excellent spirit in here today. Excellent teaching atmosphere in here today. That's because of you guys, because you're drawing it out of the Holy Ghost. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you all. Father, in Jesus' name, I bless your people. Spirit, soul, and body. In the name of Jesus, I bless every, every man, woman, boy, and girl in this house today. In the name of Jesus. With divine protection. In Jesus' name, I'm asking that you would awaken the dreams that the Spirit of God has deposit, deposited in our hearts that we may have forgotten. Breathe fresh and new, Lord, on those hopes and dreams that you planted in us. And the desire of the righteous shall be granted. We yield it to you today in the name of Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. All right, God bless you guys. God bless you. I'll see you in church or I'll see you in the sky. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Now the subject we're on is uh, spirit, soul, and body with the trendy little title of IB3. Say IB3. Say I am a three-part bearing. <laughs> <laughs> Say, I am a spirit. I am a spirit. Okay. I have a soul. And I live in a body. In order to be here on planet Earth, you must have a Earth suit. Right? If you're going to be out in space, you've got to have a space suit. Right? Right? But to stay here on Earth, you must have an Earth suit suit uh, now now demons want to inhabit those that are legally here right to be here to be a living being here on earth you must have a body of flesh that came from the ground in order to legally be here so demons want to inhabit 
people or animals? Their first choice is people. Their second choice is animals. Now, next week, I'm going to be teaching on angels. Uh, and if, you, if you're here, uh, I can pretty much assure you, you're going to hear stuff that you've never heard in church in your life. All right. Uh, same thing goes for today, as a matter of fact. But uh, demons are disembodied spirits. They had a body of flesh at one time a long time ago. But they don't anymore, so they seek rest in a body of flesh. Angels don't want to live in a human body. They have their own body. Angels are not demons. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Right there, you go to church your whole life and you won't hear that. If you have a vision or a dream, or if you go to a palm reader or a soothsayer, and they conjure up one of your relatives, more than likely that is not one of your relatives, that is an evil spirit masquerading as your relative. Well, how do they know all that stuff then? The devil's been taking notes on you and your kin folks for a thousand years. He knows more about you than you know about you in some cases. But he doesn't know what you're going to do until you open your mouth. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers. Most of the stuff we're teaching here, even though we've never heard it in church before, we should have been knowing it a long time ago. Hmm? If the body of Christ had been teaching the Bible as it's written, right? Instead of painting over it with a religious brush, saying, well, that don't mean this and this couldn't mean that. We're going to stay away from this over here. If the body of Christ had been teaching the Bible as it is written, you and I would have been a lot further down the road than we, than we have been. It's we have to unlearn a bunch of junk that we were raised with a lot of times. God wants you rich. Whoa, I didn't get the kind of reaction I was hoping to get. I got a couple amens. and a, God, Say, God wants you rich. Now point at the best looking person in the room and say, God wants you rich. And tell your faith buddy, God wants you rich. Minister to your faith buddy and say, God wants you rich. Minister to him say, God wants you rich now. Come on. And a lot of times we got this hang up about money. Well, I don't know. Money's evil. Show me one verse in the Bible that says money's evil. It's not in there. It's the love of money. You put money before God. You put money before people. You put money before doing right. Then that's evil. But the money is just a neutral thing. The money takes on your personality. If you're evil, your money... If you are evil, your money will do evil things. If you're good, and, and y'all's good, I know y'all. Your money can do good things, amen. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need the one teach you again. 
which be the first principles of the oracles of God. We got to go all the way back to kindergartens. By the way, we teach foundations class every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock in the cafeteria. We rocked it this morning, didn't we? Didn't we? We rocked it, didn't we? Why? Well, I, I, did, I didn't sign up for that. I don't care. Get in there anyway. We're going to teach it all the time. We're not going to stop. We're just going to cycle it over and over again. And you need it. Say, so, yes, sir, pastor. I need that. Amen. All right. You have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now, my son Michael over there, he's pretty much full grown. He's shaving now, right? Right? He's got a car. I mean, he's, he's got a, right? He's got a lawnmower. He's a grown man. What would you think if we had to breastfeed him now? Huh? <laughs> like Marilyn Hickey says, say yuck three times. Yuck, yuck, yuck. But that's what he says here. He says, you have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. He says there's been a, a, a digression. Y'all done grew backwards. We need to be very careful that we're not growing the wrong direction. Amen. We have to have our roots sunk deep in the word of God and draw the nourishment, right? That's there for us. And listen, if you cut the roots off of a plant, what's going to happen by this time tomorrow? Yeah. It'll show signs of withering and dying by this time tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's already dead. Yep. Even if you can't see it. But you cut the roots off, done. Mm -hmm. And what's ha what happens to us if we fail to feed on the Word of God over an extended period of time? Yeah. What would happen if I cut off my finger or my thumb and chucked it out in the driveway? It would begin showing signs of death right away, wouldn't it? Am I smiling? Am I being sweet today? Am I being nice? Praise the Lord. People receive it better when you're happy. Amen. <laughs> Glory. I'm very happy. <laughs> you have become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Because he's a baby. In the word of what? Righteousness. Help me out here. In the word of what? Righteousness. In the word of what? Righteousness. What is righteousness? Right it's being right with God. Who's right with God? I am. Good. Well, <laughs> who else is right with God? Well, if anybody in here don't think you're right with God, I got good news for you. His name is Jesus. Yeah, but what do I got to do? It's already been done. You can't add to the righteousness of God. Anybody know who the Mona Lisa is? Mona Lisa? Who, who painted the Mona Lisa? Anybody for extra credit? Not you. <laughs> da Vinci, right? Do you think if, if Pastor Brian took a can of Krylon, you think I could kind of touch up the Mona Lisa a little bit and make it a little bit better? You think I could, huh? Would that make it better or more worster? <laughs> huh? You cannot add to the righteousness of God. You know, one of you all might wake up in the middle of the night, right, and have a, have a vision. 
and run down here to the Audi dealer and buy me a new A8. Black! That'd be all right. What would you think if I <laughs> got me a bunch of cans of uh, camo paint? Huh? Sprayed it, windows and all. <laughs> Gary would like that. Would that make that car more valuable? You cannot add to the righteousness of God. You either accept it or reject it. Now, what is the righteousness of God? It is Jesus' right standing with God that has been handed to you as a free gift if you can just believe it. Is God mad at Jesus? Was God ever waiting there at the front door for Jesus to come home late? Where you been, boy? What's all them beer bottles doing in the back of the Buick? <laughs> Did that ever happen? Nope. Never happened. There's never been any strife between God the Father and Jesus the Son. Jesus has never been corrected. I need to be corrected all the time. You need to be corrected too. Yes. Tell your faith buddy, say, I need to be corrected. Come on now. Say, I need to be corrected and you need to be corrected. Say, Pastor Brian needs to be corrected. And so do I. Say amen. We have not arrived yet, friends. Anybody arrived yet? For everyone that uses milk, you can tell... When you get a revelation of the righteousness of God, you know the stuff that used to bug you just don't bug you no more. You should be growing up. You know the stuff that bugged me when I was five don't bug me no more, right? Right? I remember one time I got stung by a bee when I was about three. I thought it was the end of the world. You know what I'm talking about? I didn't think life would ever be the same. But you know, I go, I go decades without even remembering that little occurrence now. And the same thing is going to be true in your life. The same stuff that used to really bug you in your Christian life last year should be bugging you less now than it did last year. You know why? Because you're getting an ever-increasing revelation that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say that. Say that. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, what part of you is righteous? We got to, we got to remember IB three, right? Right. We got to let the word of God divide spirit and soul, the joints and the marrow and the in thoughts and the intents of the heart. Right. And you said it right. That the spirit man is the one who gets born again. The spirit man is the one who is the righteousness of God in Christ. You know how you can tell? Cause this don't act righteous all the time. This meat don't act righteous all the time. It wants to stay up late, <laughs> right? Wake up late, go to Whataburger <laughs> again. <laughs> oh, that was good. Let me tell you, brother, that was good. Man, that was good. Glory. They should send me some royalties because that's, woo. <laughs> can, you, can you see that double Monterey melt right now? Close your eyes. Can you see it? Oh, Lord Jesus, I love you, Lord. Man, we had a good time in there. We ministered to some people and used high fructose corn syrup. It was awesome. 
Praise the Lord. <clears throat> For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness because he's a baby. If you don't understand the righteousness of God, you're a, you're a spiritual baby. If you've adopted as gospel the cliches that are going to lead you in an endless maze of religious double talk, such as, we're all sinners. Right? We're all just sinners. Like Brother Copeland says, save by grace. Right? <laughs> it helps when you get the thing moving like that, right? <laughs> you young people, it don't move like that. Yeah, it, someday it probably will. Okay? <laughs> Especially if you keep going to Whataburger. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> what were we talking about, Delila? You got any idea? Moises likes it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Righteousness. There it is. <laughs> the endless maze of double talk. We're all just sinners saved by grace. Brother, if you're still a sinner, you have not come to the blood covenant. Like Brother Hagen used to say, you need another dip. Hmm? <laughs> and I don't mean a dip of <laughs> snuff. You need another dip in the, in the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Because when you receive a revelation of the righteousness of God, you can't possibly see yourself as a sinner anymore. That's right. Well, how come I keep sinning then? Well, I'll, I'll get to that. I, I got nine minutes left here. Hang on. How come I keep sinning? I'm glad you asked. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, please. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I be three. Tell your faith, buddy. I be three. This is good. This is a keeper. Get the podcast. The last couple podcasts have been keepers. Play them. It'll help you. Amen. Helps me. Amen. I listen to whoever I can listen to that helps me. There's so much out there that is not going to help you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. Who's doing the presentation of the body? Me. The real man. The spirit man. Can I have my artwork, please? Look at here. Look at here, boy. On the teeter-totter. The gospel teeter-totter. <clears throat> the real you is a spirit man and through your spirit you connect to God the flesh man is not the real you that's your earth suit but you got to have an earth suit to connect legally to, to mankind here on earth right can you say amen yeah. that's why it's illegal for evil spirits to try to contact you Want me to prove, I mean, listen, want me to prove that you have authority? It's so simple. If an evil spirit comes to you and starts talking to you, right? All you got to do is take Jesus' name and they will run from you. I mean, like cockroaches when you turn the kitchen light on. Amen. Amen. I've been doing this a long time. You don't have to have no trouble with no demon spirits. Uh-uh. 
Say, I don't have any trouble chasing demon spirits. Mm -mm, mm -mm. They don't have any legal right to even talk to you. And here we got, here's the, the endless maze of religious double talk. Well, you can't stop the devil from influencing you. I beg your pardon. Pardonnez-moi. If a pig comes in your living room, do you have any legal right to do anything about that? Or do you just have to accept it as the will of God for this hog to be in my living room? No, if you got any common sense, what are you going to do? Lock and load. <laughs> right? Ball bat. I mean, come on. Frying pan. Jujutsu. Anything. Anything. <laughs> but don't tolerate it. Don't tolerate it. Do something about it. It's an act of your will. Where's your will? Your will is here in your soul. In your soul, it's made up of your mind, will, and emotions. If by an act of your will, you say no to Satan with the name of Jesus, the fight's over. The fight's over. You stand your ground. You know, here's the thing is that, you know, Brother Gary told me this decades ago. If you know you're feeding an old dog in the alley out the back door of the restaurant every day at the same time, and then you suddenly stop feeding that old dog, it might take you a day or two to train him that there's a new sheriff in town and I'm not a feeding you out the back door of this restaurant no more. Because he's going to come looking the same as he always did to get his free hand out, right? Now I can tell you how to get rid of an old dog. <laughs> Do we have any PETA subscribers? Are you PETA? You got the bumper sticker? <laughs> People eating tasty animals, right? <laughs> I can show you how to get rid of an old dog. Again, get you a nice rock, ball bat, snowball, anything, and just show them who's boss. Say, we're not doing this anymore. And they will leave you alone, and so will the devil. You've got to talk to him like an old dog getting in your trash cans. Amen. Back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, please. If you would, please. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you. I'm enjoying myself today. It's a great teaching atmosphere in here. I beseech you, therefore, family of faith church, by the mercies of God, the apostle is pleading with us, pleading with us, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Make your body do what it's supposed to do. Make your body do what the spirit man knows he's supposed to be doing. Say, body, body. you're going to obey me. Talk to your body, everybody. Talk to your body. Say, body, body. you're going to obey me. I'm in charge. I don't go by what you say. You go by what I say. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. All right. That you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That means sacrifice is doing something you don't really want to do. Right? When, when you first start out, you may not want to get up and read your Bible. Your flesh don't want to. Your flesh wants to lay in the bed. Right? And smoke while you're eating Whataburger. <laughs> you're shaking your head, but I know that's what you... No, I just can't. Okay, okay. Ask me how I know. Okay. Which is your reasonable service. He says, I'm not asking too much. Make your body obey the Bible, he said. Next verse, please. 
And be not conformed to this world. You sh we should not be acting like the world. We should not be thinking like the world. We should not be uh, speaking like the world. We should look, speak, feel, think, and act differently than they do. When? When you make your body obey the word of God that you already know you're supposed to be obeying. You don't need Pastor Brian to come to your house and beat down your door and tell you to obey the Bible. You got the Holy Ghost, you already know what you're supposed to be doing. Say amen. amen. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. That word transformed is a beautiful Greek word. It looks something like metamorpho. Right? Metamorphosis, right? We get our word from that. You're going to be transformed, I mean like a caterpillar coming out of a, cocoon. is it a cocoon or a chrysalis, yeah. what have you, that thing that hangs from the tree, right, when you come out you're a different looking critter, huh, I know this is exactly what I experienced in my life, when I got born again July 13th, 1988, uh, like a friend of mine said, I had more vices than a wood shop, <laughs> but I went and locked myself up in my bedroom for months. I went to work, I walked the dog, I went to the grocery store, and went right back to that dumb wicker chair. You know, you sit there for a while, you're going to have an itch you want to scratch. I said, if I have an itch, I'm not going to scratch it. I'm going to sit right here with my face plastered to the pages of my Bible. I had guys come in, you know, they're drinking and getting high in the other room, and they'd come stumbling into my room. And I had a King James and an NIV, so I could, right? And they said, I kind of got two Bibles. I said, love you, man. Get out of here. All right. <laughs> but I came out of there. I was different. Different. I thought different. I felt different. I acted different. You know, I'm not criticizing anybody who struggled with it, but I never smoked another cigarette. And dude, nobody ever loved it more than I did. I started rolling my own when I was like 11 or 12. I loved tobacco. And I stayed in there, and it's like the Spirit of God started dealing with me. Are you going to keep smoking? And I'm like, well, what, well like I, got a, I got a choice? I'm like, if you put it like that, I guess not. And he dealt with me about a number of things like that. Do you need this? You're going to do this? You're going to have that again? You're going to do this stuff anymore? I'm like, well, I guess not. I guess not. I guess I don't need that no more. I came out of there, I was different. That's transformation by the what? Renewing of your mind. You can make your mind think the way it's supposed to by a process of the Bible calls renewing. Hey, I mean, we're, we're sending kids to college and you got to pay quarter million dollars or whatever to get educated. You launch young people into an ocean of red ink never to return and tell them that's, that's how you're supposed to start off life. Not coming against education. I mean, if God calls you, you better make sure God's calling you to spend, you know, all that money and all that time on some college campus. You better make sure that's God. But you will see more radical change in your life by renewing your mind than any other one thing you can do. Train your mind to think in line with the word of God that you already know. Because your flesh wants to make that teeter-totter go the wrong way. Your flesh will try to get you to emphasize the flesh and it tips the whole system. Right? 
Your flesh don't feel like reading the word of God. And you know, when the spirit man is up high on a teeter-totter, he can't even reach the ground or nothing. He can't get any momentum. He's completely overpowered by the flesh. But if you will make a decision, see the intentions? See the intentions? If you will make what Brother Copeland calls a quality decision. A quality decision is a decision about which there is never any retreat, right? Or any further discussion. That is a decision of quality. If you make a decision that I'm going to renew my mind with the word of God, so help me Jesus no matter what it takes, and then start on the first step of your journey immediately, you'll get there. I can just tell you. Spent, that's why I asked the members of this church to read one chapter in their Bible every day. It's not hard. I mean, you spend hours looking at that phone at nonsense anyway. Amen, say amen. So do I. <laughs> but but this, this word that we're teaching requires two things that most people don't want to have nothing to do with. Anybody from the foundations class remember what those two things are? Commitment and discipline. Most Christians don't want to have nothing to do with commitment and discipline. They want to be entertained. They want to hear loud thumping music, and so do I. I have a loud thumping sound system in my house, right? I like to crank up the bluegrass really loud. Amen. <laughs> want me to sing a few bars? No, thank you. Okay. I like to be entertained. But I made a decision, a quality decision decades ago that I'm going to renew my mind. So help me, Jesus, if it's the last thing I do. And you know what I found out? I have to come back and do it all the time. You know why? Because this man is saved. The spirit man is saved. He's the perfect righteousness of God. This man here in the middle, the soul man, needs constant maintenance. And the, the, the flesh man needs to be kept on discipline, on a leash. Until the time when you hear that trumpet and the glory of God washes over your flesh. And buddy, you're going to be glad. You'll never have a bad feeling ever again. You'll never be tired ever again. Amen. I mean, some of us will get every hair on our head restored. The original count, like one fellow said, right? Woo, woo, that'll be a happy day. I'll have this long, flowing mane. I'll be, Amen. I'll be riding that golden rhinoceros down the streets of Jerusalem. Amen. With my hair flying in the breeze. Amen. <laughs> Come on. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but that day hasn't come yet. And this flesh wants to be lazy. It wants to have its own way. It's not saved yet. It's not even close. It'll tell you, oh yeah, we're good, I'm good. I got a Bible in my hand, see, I'm cool. You can trust me. The flesh will tell you that. That's why the Bible says the lust of the flesh is deceitful. Huh? The flesh will say, oh yeah, we're good, I'm trained. Can I go back here to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, please? And then I'm going to close with this, I'm, I'll be done. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Thank you, Lord, for helping us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 5, 14. Verse 13, we read it a little bit ago. It says, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, because he's a baby. Verse 14 says, but, say but. but. Tell your faith, buddy, but. but. 
But strong meat belongs to those that are of full age or full grown, that is. Even those, listen carefully now. You, you can go to church your whole life, you will never hear this. Even those who by reason of use or training, say training, training. you can train the flesh. Isn't that right, Andrew? You can train your flesh to pump iron. Amen. You can train your flesh to be a marathoner. I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> I've heard about it. But the flesh can be trained. Even those who by reason of use have their senses. It's talking about the flesh. It's talking about the five senses. It's talking about uh, the way that you perceive life through these five physical senses. Right? He seeing, hearing, smelling, right? Feeling, tasting. These are very powerful senses, but they can be trained to do what? Discern to discern good and evil. You, you, when you're looking through your phone and you see something that you shouldn't be looking at, you can train your flesh to swipe it or turn it off or throw it in a river or whatever you got to do, right? If you train your flesh, well, I guess I could look at this a little bit. Huh? That's yielding to the flesh. But if you want, you want to be strong? You want to be strong? All right. Then get the word coming in you strong. That'll make you strong on the inside so you can resist the devil. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say amen? I'm telling you right now, the word of God is way more powerful than the lust of the flesh. Who believes this? Who believes this? Amen. Why don't you stand up? Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I worship you.